If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Here we have Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the miracle worker, Jesus Christ, the way maker, Jesus Christ, the son of God, all God, all man, the, the son of God in flesh. I mean, here he is on earth and he's, he's just been baptized by John the Baptist, John the Baptist. He's just been baptized, just, just been, been, uh, um, obviously dunked in the water come up the spirit of God came on him the voice of God came from heaven and said this is my son whom I am well pleased all of this happens and then he goes out into the wilderness and of course we see this is and we know this many know this story because this is when Jesus got tempted so we have the son of God out in the wilderness and here comes Satan to tempt Jesus now I don't know what exactly the devil thought he was going to accomplish by tempting Jesus. But I think that a couple things were happening here. Number one, Jesus was showing us that he was all God, yes, but he was also all man. And in order for what Jesus did when he came to earth, in order for it to work, in order for him to, be, to, to, to take on everything that he took on, to, be, uh, to die for our sins, he had to be all God and all man. He had to be tempted as we are tempted. And he had to withstand that. How many of y'all know Jesus did not sin? Spoiler alert, he did not sin. <laughs> he did not sin. He did not fall into temptation. Even though the devil came after him and tried and tried to get him, the devil didn't win. The devil did not win. I want to say it again. The devil did not win. Look to your neighbor and say that after me. Say, the devil did not win. You know, I like feedback. I like people to talk with me and repeat after me and things like that. It keeps you engaged in the service, and every once in a while you can throw in a healthy <clears throat> amen. Amen, that's good, Pastor. <clears throat> but Matthew chapter 4 says this. Now, this is right when, in the Bible, actually calls him the tempter in this translation, when the devil came. It says now in verse 3, Matthew 4, verse 3. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God... Command that these stones become bread. Jesus had been fasting. <clears throat> 40 days, 40 nights, he had fasted. He had not eaten. And so he is now sitting there, and obviously there's stones around him. The devil comes up and says, make these stones bread. If you are the son of God, make these stones bread. And I think some of us have had, you know, things like that happen in our life where we, we, we have the devil come up and say, well, if God was really so good, then blah, blah, blah. Then he would make this happen. Or you wouldn't be in this mess. Or you wouldn't have this thing happen. Or you wouldn't be, and, and we get that tempting from the devil where, where he comes up and says, now, wait a second, I thought you served God. Now, those thoughts, I want to tell you and, and show you here in this scripture, those thoughts come from the devil. Those thoughts come from the devil because we know that God is good. And if you, if, the other place that I want to go today is John chapter 10. And John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to bring you life and life more abundantly. That was Jesus talking. He said that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to bring you life. God is good. And so anytime that we feel like, oh, well, if God was so good, then this would have happened. That is a lie 
from the devil. But I want to talk to you this morning about how Jesus overcame the devil and how you can avoid the traps of the devil. You know, that's what the devil wants to do. He is an entrapper. He wants to set a trap and his ultimate goal is to steal the word from you. He wants to steal the word from you. He wants to take the word out of your life. Why? Why is that so important? Because the Bible says in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing the word. So if the devil can steal the word from you, if he can take the word out of your life, however he can do it, if he can take the word out of your life, disqualify the word, disquantify the word, if he can take it out of your life, then you lose faith. You lose faith in God. If he can take the word away, then the word must not be true. Then God must not be alive. Then Jesus must not have died on the cross. All these things are disqualified. That's what the, the devil is a disqualifier. I wrote this stuff down as I was preparing. He came to entrap us. The devil misleads us. He lies. The Bible actually calls him the father of lies. Say it with me. Say the devil's a liar. He lies, he corrupts, he disrupts, he steals, he destroys, he deters, he unravels. The devil came to entrap us, to trap us. He sets traps and expects you to fall into them. He expects you to fall in them. Have you ever seen that in like a movie? The other day we were watching uh, Yogi Bear. With our, I, I don't know why I talk about movies all the time now, but it seems like every sermon, I, I didn't even want to today, and here I am talking about a movie again. Uh, our kids have us, you know, they're at the age where they are into movies, I guess. And so we're watching Yogi Bear, and he steps into one of those big bear traps, and it yanks him up in the tree. He didn't know the trap was there, and that's what the devil wants to do. He, he sets out these traps for us. And, but I want you to notice how Jesus handled this, and I want to talk to you this morning about how you can handle it. How you can handle it. Point to yourself and say, I can handle it. See, the Bible says that the devil's under your feet. He's already defeated. Jesus came. That's right. It is praiseworthy because Jesus came to defeat the devil. So when we serve God, when we have Jesus on the inside of our hearts, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We live as overcomers, the Bible says. So we don't have to be defeated by the devil. We don't have to be trapped by the devil. So let's finish this verse on these few verses Matthew 4, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. I'm going to just start back, go back a little bit. The devil said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, Jesus answered and said, it is written. <laughs> oh, just say that with me. Say, it is written. He said and answered. He responded to him with the word. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want to unpack this a little bit today. And one of the first things I want you to realize in order to overcome the traps of the devil, in order to get past and to not get trapped by the devil, number one, you have to learn the voice of God. The first thing we have to do is we have to learn the voice of God. The other day, my wife called me, and she called me, and um, she answered, or I answered, excuse me, and she said, she, just, she didn't even say hello, she just started talking right away. She started talking right away, she started going into this whole story about what she was doing or whatever, and I said, excuse me, who is this? You could just hear the silence on the phone. 
She said, excuse me? I said, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, who, who is this? And she said, this is Natalie. Y'all can kind of hear the attitude, right? And y'all know my wife is like the sweetest person ever. She's like, this is Natalie. And I said, Natalie who? Now you can, if you can feel it through the, through the phone, she's like, your wife. And I said, who? Y'all know this is ridiculous. This is a made up story. This didn't really happen. Why did that not really happen? Because I know my wife's voice. I could not see the name on the phone. I could not, I could not even know. I could be blindfolded, answer the phone, and hear the first word of her voice and know it's her. And know it's her. Why? Because I know her voice. I know her voice better than I know any voice. I know the inflections of her voice. I know even through the airwaves, through the phone, it's a little muffled. It doesn't sound exactly like her, but I know her voice. I know her voice. I know exactly what it sounds like. I could hear her in a store while we're shopping. We're out in a mall or whatever. I'm getting that way with my kids. My son, I can tell his cry from other cries. He's eight months old and I can tell, yep, that's, yep, that's his cry. There could be three kids in the nursery crying and I know, yep, Josh is crying. Or, nope, he's not. That's somebody else's cry. I can tell. Why? Because I've learned their voices. I've learned my wife's voice. We have to learn God's voice. You know, God still speaks today. It, it bothers me every once in a while. I don't feel like you see it as much as, as I, I, I seem like growing up when I was younger, it used to be a common thing that there, people were kind of debating this in the church world. They were debating whether God still speaks today. But you know, as I study scripture, God spoke through the entirety, the entirety of the Bible. He spoke at the beginning. He created Adam and Eve to have communion with them. He spoke to them. He spoke to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He spoke throughout to all the prophets. He spoke to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He spoke to all the prophets. He spoke in the New Testament through Jesus. Obviously, God spoke. After that, he spoke to Paul. He spoke to James. He spoke to John, who wrote Revelations. God speaks. He is a spe- God is, that's who he is. He speaks. I wrote this down. Actually, it's this quote from a great man of God. And, and I think that this, this uh, um, kind of cover, actually, I'm going to come back to that in a second. Because I don't want to get ahead of myself. But if you, if, you, if you think about it, God's intention, God's being, God's entirety of who he is, is he's a, he speaks to his people. He speaks to his people. He, he wants to have communion with us. He doesn't want a one-way street where you just call out to him and he doesn't talk back. He is a God who speaks to us, who wants to talk to you. Who, the, the key is, is that we've got to hear his voice. Why, why does he want to speak to us? Because he wants to lead us besides still waters. He wants to lead us into green pastures. He wants to lead us where the devil cannot win. Did you catch that in verse 4? Did you catch that in verse 4? Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means that we're to live on the words that come out of God's mouth. They nourish and they feed us even better than real food does. The most important thing we can live by are the words of God. You know, sheep, sheep heed the voice of God. The voice of the shepherd, I mean. They, 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 they know the voice of the shepherd the same way I was describing that I know my wife's voice. A sheep knows its shepherd's voice. If you were to 
Read John chapter 10, which I quoted a few minutes ago. Um, I quoted verse 10. But if you were to read the whole chapter, everything that Jesus is talking about in that chapter is sheep. As a matter of fact, he covers it a few different times with a few different people. And he, un, he, he, he kind of corrects them and tells them that, that some of the ones that were questioning him, he said, well, you're not my sheep. Because if you were, you wouldn't be questioning what you're questioning. You don't know my voice. And so all through John chapter 10, Jesus is describing what a shepherd does. He says this, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 12 and verse 14. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf comes in, catches the sheep, and scatters them. That's the devil. He's doing this whole chapter. He's describing the difference between the good shepherd, him, and the devil, who he alludes to as a wolf or as a thief, as a robber. He uses a couple of different words to describe the devil and his works and what he does. He comes in, and so what we have to learn is the voice of God, because what does the voice of God do? It keeps us from the wolf. It keeps us safe. You know, a good shepherd is never going to lead his sheep into harm's way. As a matter of fact, did you know that sheep cannot sleep without meeting multiple criteria? They can't have bugs on them. They don't want to be agitated with bugs. They literally will not sleep. If they do not have, if they have bugs on them, that's why they would anoint sheep. That's why they would cover them with oil to protect them. Did you know that they will not sleep if they're not, if they're hungry? If they're hungry, the good shepherd feeds his sheep. He makes sure that they're full. If they're safe, if they feel safe, if they have enough space, enough room, if they're rubbing up against each other, they, they will not sleep unless all these criteria are met. Jesus wants to make sure that all of your needs, hear me this morning, he wants to make sure that all of your needs are met. In Philippians, it says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. God wants to supply every single one of your needs. The devil wants to do what? He wants to take your needs. He wants to, he wants to make sure your needs are never met. He wants to make sure that you don't, you don't, you don't make ends meet, that you don't qualify for, he wants to make sure you don't have enough left over to be able to give to be able to help someone in need, to be able to help out a, a, a person, to be able to show the love of God. And, and, and if you have no finances, you can't do that. Come on. If you're broke, you have no ability to be able to, to do the things that, I mean, if God were to ask you to give to somebody and you have no money, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to take from you. He's the thief to come to steal, to kill and to destroy. God came to make sure all of your needs are met. We've got to learn God's voice because if we know God's voice, if we know how he speaks, then we'll, help, we'll make sure, he'll make sure that we're being led where we can be fed, where we can be protected, where we can be safe, where we'll have all of our needs met, where we'll be full. How do we know God's voice? You know, God speaks to your spirit. Romans tells us, actually I put it in here, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 13, 14, 
and 16. And I'm sorry I don't have these verses on the, on the screen, but if you write them down, then you can go home and you can study them as well. Romans chapter 8, verses 13, 14, and then I'm also going to look at verse 16. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many, everybody say as many, as are led, say it with me. We're going to quote this verse together. Say, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And of course, we know that that was not uh, um, um, anything against women. It could be sons or daughters, sons and daughters of God. We are children of God, as other translations say. We are children of God. You are a child of God when you're led by his spirit. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are children of God. Now get this in verse 16. The spirit himself, capital S, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How does God talk to us? This is the question that many people want to know. They say it's one of the most popular questions that Christians ask. How does God speak? How do I hear the voice of God? How do I know where God's leading me? All of that. He speaks to your spirit. He speaks spirit to spirit. The spirit himself bears witness with your spirit, lowercase s. See, you are a spirit. You live in a body and you have a soul. Many times in the New Testament, uh, actually in, in, in scripture itself, but numerous times in the New Testament, the Bible delineates between um, spirit, soul, and body. In Thessalonians, he says that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. You're, you have a spirit, you live in a soul, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are, let me say it again, make sure I say it right. You are a spirit, that's you. That's who the real, the real you, your being, your, your entirety of who you are is a spirit. You have a soul, your mind, your will and emotions, the way you, you think. You live in a body, your flesh, your earth suit. What we should, we should take care of because it's God's temple, the Bible says. But where does God speak? He doesn't speak to our flesh because he's not a flesh. The word became flesh, but Jesus had to leave to give us the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? He's not a flesh. He's not a, a, a soul. He's a spirit. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. How does God speak to us in my spirit? See, far too often we look outwardly. You know, uh, one of the things that I hear people say all the time is, well, that door opened, it had to be God. But you know, the devil can open doors too. He can. I mean, he's, the Bible actually calls him the God of this world. He he. When Adam and Eve sinned, they gave over their rights that God had given them. And so they gave access to the devil that he didn't have before. How do you know then if a door is God's door or another door? It could also not even be the devil. It could just be a door. It could just be an opportunity. It could just be, you know, they'll say, oh, well, this job, oh, this, these types of jobs never come open. It had to be God. Well, maybe it finally it just came open. It doesn't mean that you have to do it. How are you going to know? Because in your spirit, God will speak to you if you allow him to, if you listen. But far too often, we don't listen. We just go right past it. We just blow right past it. We don't open our ears. We don't open up our hearts. We just say, oh, well, there's the door, and we just run into it. Then once we get into the mess, we say, oh, God, 
help me. And then you want to listen to God. But what if you listen to God before you walk through the door? What if you listen to God? What if you could hear God's voice before? Because see, that's why I want to make sure you understand God is speaking to you. I like to think about it like a radio station. You know, right now, there are, I don't know how many radio stations broadcasting through this room. There are radio waves right here. If you had a transmitter in your arm, you could dial in and hear that radio station. You could turn to, what's the one, 89.7, and hear, um, um, what's it called? I obviously don't listen to the radio. What is it? Yeah, yeah, that one. I thought they had another name for it, though, but they call it that, yeah. K-Love, that's it. K-Love. Every time I turn on K-Love, they're hitting you up for money nowadays. Right? Right? Am I right? I'm like, man, they must, you know, coronavirus must have hit them hard. Pray for, y'all pray for K-Love. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, what's amazing is just, you know, on that note, our finances here at the church have actually gone up during coronavirus. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because I believe God's word is true. I haven't had to take up any extra offerings. Haven't had to hit up anybody for money, hit up any special things. No, we just keep doing what the word says and God's blessed us and our finances have actually increased. Anyways, God wants to give us life. The spirit of God speaks to our spirit. If you were to tune in that radio station, you'd hear 89.7. Well, the same thing, if you can tune up your spirit to hear from God, you'll hear him speaking. He's speaking. He's speaking to you. He's leading you. The Bible says in Psalms that he leads us beside still waters. He is leading you. He, sh- he wants to show you where to go. He also wants to show you what to avoid. Do not, you do not have to fall into the traps of the devil. You do not. The first thing that Jesus did, notice, the devil came, he presented an opportunity to him. Think about that. You think Jesus didn't see the stones? You think Jesus wasn't capable of turning the stones into bread? The devil presented an opportunity to him. Here's a chance. Here's an opportunity. And all these opportunities you have, not all of them are of God. They're not. You've got to know what to say. Okay, no, 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 wait a second. This one is not. I don't have peace about it. I encourage people when they're learning to listen to the spirit, look for peace. If your spirit is uneasy, if, if, if you get alone in your prayer closet and you're praying about this decision and you don't have peace, do not do it. Do not do it. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Don't do it. That was supposed to be funny. I guess nobody plays Monopoly. Okay, oh, there we go. We got a Monopoly guy at the back. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not follow your spirit. Learn to be led by the spirit. He'll never lead you wrong. He'll never lead you astray. He'll never lead you in the wrong place. John chapter 10, verses eight and nine. If we back up a little bit, he said, Jesus said this, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. God wants to provide a pasture for his sheep. Jesus said, all those who came before me are thieves and robbers. So the first thing we've got to learn is to not, you know, necessarily this is any particular order today, but we need to learn God's voice. We also need to do this. We also need to make God's word supreme. We need to make God's word the supreme source of dictation in our life. You know, many times when people come to me 
Let's go back to big decisions we're making. I'll ask them, well, what scripture are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on? They'll say, oh, I'm believing God for this and this with my family. Or I'm believing God for a job. Or I'm believing God for, um, maybe they'll get a medical report from the doctor. And I'll say, well, what scripture are you standing on? Because I've got plenty of healing scriptures in my heart, but do you have any? Do you know what God's word says about healing? Do you have any scripture? Because when you, when you get a negative report, when you get, see, that's, that's the devil, that's an opportunity for the devil to say, see, God's not working. But if you have God's word as supreme in your life, you say, no, God's not finished yet. God's just not finished yet. God, God hasn't turned this situation around yet. There's been an opportunity that came up or an, an issue that arose or whatever, and I just, I haven't seen the victory yet. You know, throughout the, the entirety of time, throughout the Bible, if you look story after story, what happens? We go through stuff. We go through things. We, we, most of the time, we do them ourselves. Okay, nobody wants to shout on that one. Everybody's like, oh, amen, God will bless you, God will, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to be quiet on that one. But no, you know, this is the Israelites, for instance. You know, the, the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness was their fault. It was their fault. The Bible actually says it was their fault. It was their unbelief. Read Hebrews. It says it was their unbelief that caused them to walk in the, to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses disobeyed God. That's the reason he didn't. God told him to, to, to speak to the staff, not to strike the, 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 the rock. He disobeyed God and struck the rock, and he didn't get to go into the promised land. But we want to blame it on God. Oh, you're just going through your wilderness. Well, maybe, maybe there's another reason why you're going through the wilderness. Maybe, maybe, and if you have God's word as supreme in your life, then you'll take that word and say, okay, maybe right now I am going through a tough time. Where did the tough time come from? It came from one of three places. It came from the devil. It came from you, maybe. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you didn't budget correctly. Maybe you signed up for a credit card you shouldn't have. Or it comes from the world we live in. You know, some things just happen because we live in a world where there's storms, where there's issues. How many of y'all had, I know all of y'all are so holy, it didn't rain on your house this morning, right? It poured down. I had no idea. I told them when I loaded in this morning, I had no idea. We bring, we know we bring computers and all. This is not our venue. Um, and so we, we rent this space out. And so we have to load everything in. And I missed a memo. So I'm, I'm rushing out the house. I've got computers. I've got stuff. I had to go back inside, get trash bags, wrap everything up. I'm like, man, I, I just totally missed the memo on it. It hasn't rained on a Sunday morning and I don't know how long. It like poured out. But I know... You know, if you're really holy, it didn't rain on your house, right? The Bible says this. It says it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on the just, you and I, the justified, and the unjust. It rains on everybody. Sometimes bad stuff just happens. We have to have God's word as the supreme source in our life. We have to have God's word. Get a scripture to stand on. Here's the quote that I was going to read earlier. A great man of God said this, I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to a wrong conception of and a wrong feeling for the scripture of truth, meaning the word of God. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book, and when the book was finished, he lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read the book, 
as the record of what God said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood. With notions like that in our heads, how can we believe? Obviously, he's being facetious there. The facts are this, that God is not silent, has never been silent. It is the very nature of God to speak. The second person of the Trinity, of the Holy Trinity, Jesus, is called the Word. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. I'm going to read that again. The Bible, the holy written word, is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. It is the infallible declaration of his mind for us put into our familiar human words. I think a new world will arise out of the religious myths when we approach our Bible with the idea it is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. You know, God's word is speaking to us. There are two words I want you to wrap your head around that are, are you know, when you study the Bible, many times you'll go in and you'll study the original words that were used. There's rhema and there's logos. Will y'all say them with me? Say rhema. Say Logos. Logos is the written word. Logos is the written word. It is the the literal written word. It is God-breathed word, God's word, but it is written word. It is the Bible, the the written word of God that has has not changed for decades and, you know, thousands of years. That's the written word, Logos. Everybody say it again. Say Logos. But then we have Rhema, which is the spoken word of God. Now, the spoken word of God is, 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 is different. For instance, it, let's go back to this. And I've been talking about this off and on for a few weeks. Obviously, this is something God's dealing with all of us and those that are listening to our podcast and watching online. God's dealing with this in our church that people are making decisions. We're making things, we're going through things. And, and, and when you're doing these big decisions, you're not gonna find the answer to those in the written word. You, you're, in other words, when we were looking for this building, there's nowhere in, in God's written word that said, the Gala Event Center, 537 Clemson Road, Northeast Columbia, that's not in the Bible. How do we arrive there? The spoken word. And I confirmed that with my pastor because I was riding around with, my, with Pastor Steve. We, we, we do things together. I, I'm not just some lone ranger out here. We have a church that, that I mean, he looks, into, looks over me. He's, he looks into our church. He wants to make sure that we're doing things right. He's 20 years, super successful, large ministry, largest multicultural, non-denominational Pentecostal church in, in, in the region over there in Florence. It's amazing. Well, well we want that here. Well, how am I going to get that? By, by listening to God's spirit on the inside of me, but there's nothing wrong with exercising wisdom and having him involved in that. And so that's what we did. So I sensed that this was right. We came and we looked at it um, one day, my wife and I, then I brought him over. This was it. And I, I kept looking at other buildings just to see. And he said, why are you still looking at buildings? And I said, okay, okay, I know now. I got it. That's it. That's it. So I had it in my spirit and I had it confirmed in another great man of God in my life. You know, there's nothing wrong with you coming to me and saying, Pastor, I've been praying about this, and here's what I sense. What do you sense? What do you think? There's nothing wrong with that. And so there's a rhema word, Matthew chapter 4, that we saw earlier, when Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's a rhema word. If you look that up, if you were to study that scripture, he's talking about not just written word, but rhema word. It You must not live by bread alone, but by the spoken word of God. By the spoken word of God. 
Submit to God. Let him speak to you. Listen to your spirit. Learn the voice of God. And the last thing we've got to do, the Bible says to resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist the devil and he'll flee. You know, when you get the word in you, you get a boldness in you. You get a boldness in you. God will will begin to, and the spirit of God will come up inside of you. And when the devil attacks, when he sets a trap, you know, I don't, there's no tone in the Bible. But when I read those scriptures of Jesus and how he dealt with the devil, I imagine he said it with a tone. Don't y'all? He said it with some attitude. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know Jesus was a, was a humble, gentle man, but he also flipped over tables and got mad at people in God's house when they were betting and doing things they shouldn't have done in God's house. Obviously, he knew how to take care of business, and I felt like he dealt with the devil. You know what I mean? That he got a little attitude with the devil, and he told him, it is written. Because, see, the devil tried to throw a word at Jesus, but he twisted the Bible. Why? Because the devil's a liar. He corrupts, he disrupts, he dismantles. But Jesus said, no, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. And as he went on, the devil tempted him three times. And at the end of it, Jesus corrected him a third time with the word and then said, leave me, Satan. Leave me. Listen to this. In James chapter four, verses seven and eight, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Say that with me. Say, he will flee from me. He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Therefore, I'm going to read verse 7 again. Therefore, submit to God. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Brother Andre, you can come up as I close. Serving God always pays off. It always pays off. And when you serve God, when you resist the devil, you know, God is not going to tell you something and then not do it. He's not going to tell you something. That, he's not going to, and, and like I said earlier, he's not going to tell you you can do something that you can't do. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I, I can guarantee you the devil will try to trap you. He will try to trip you up. He will try to come at you. He will try to disrupt you. And he's going to try to do it in, in, in ways that the devil does. He's going to be sleek. He's going to be disguised. But you do not have to succumb to the power of the devil. He is under your feet. You are above and not beneath, the Bible says. You are over and not under. In due season, we read that earlier, Galatians 6. In due season, don't faint. You will reap a harvest. Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. John 8, 47 says, he who is, of, who, who is of God, hears God's word. Hear God's words. Hear God's words. Let him speak to your spirit and let him lead you beside still waters. Let him lead you into green grass. Let him lead you to that new job. Let him lead you to the, be patient. Let God lead you to where he wants to lead you. Let God lead you to what he wants to lead you to. To do what, you know, sometimes, and I wish I would have put this verse in here, but I was reading this week, I think it's in Ephesians, where where, um, Paul was writing, and he called us God's workmanship. You know, God's working on you. He's working on you. He's molding you. He's dealing with you. Listen to his spirit. Learn his voice. Put God's word as the supreme source in your life and let it dictate what you're going to do. If you don't have peace, don't do it. If you don't have, have the, the peace of God, don't do it. If you don't know, don't go. I'm going to say it again. If you don't know, 
don't go. Well, but, but that means that I might have to, God will provide. One time God told me to do something. He told me to, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is. He told me to uh, uh, cancel, we, I had direct TV at the time. And it had become a massive distraction in my life. I just, it just, I was a young kid, I was a bachelor, and it was a massive distraction. And so God was very clear. I felt in my spirit, I'd learned his voice, and I felt cancel direct TV. Well, if y'all know, there's a, a cancellation fee on stuff like that. And so I told him, no, because I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> I didn't want to pay for the thing. And he kept dealing with me, canceling. So finally, after a prayer meeting and an atmosphere just like this, God dealt with me one more time, and I kind of knew, like, this is my moment to either obey and walk in the obedience and walk in the blessings of the obedience or not. I had the money. I just didn't want to pay for it. I went home, canceled it. That week, that week, that week, over 200 something dollars came in in a refund check for something that I didn't even know I had. More than covered the cancellation fee. You know, God has a supply for what he's calling you to do and asking you to do before you even do it. Just obey him. And so if he tells you to wait, wait. If you don't have peace about something, wait. He'll provide. He'll put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. He'll provide. My God shall supply, shall supply all of my needs. Say that with me. Say, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Stand up on your feet. There's multiple people in this room and those watching online. I just want to provide an opportunity for you to make things right with God. Sometimes there's two different types of people that will come to a service like this. A person that has never had a relationship with God. They, they, they heard me preach this morning and they want that relationship with God. They want a relationship with Jesus. They want to hear his voice and be his sheep. And then another type of person who had that relationship with God but doesn't anymore. They're not in right standing with God. So maybe you're in this room or maybe you're online watching, maybe listening to this message after the fact. I want to invite you, if you're one of those two people, I want you to pray with me. I want you to make things right with God. He wants you to be one of his sheep. He wants you to be in his sheepfold. He wants to speak to you, for you to learn his voice, to lead you and guide you into all truth and into everything that he has prepared for you. I want you to be a part of God's family. If you're either one of those two types of people, I invite you to just pray this prayer with me. I tell you what, let's do this. If you'll bow your heads in this room, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you are one of those two types of people, I invite you just to raise your hand so I know who you are and I can pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. If you're, in, if you're watching online, write us and let us know. Now, let's do this. Everybody in this room, pray with me. Everybody in this room, pray with me. And let's all pray out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for sending him to this earth as a baby to live and to die for me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, was buried, and rose from the dead. And today, he's seated in heaven with you. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. 
I make Jesus my number one. I thank you for saving me, for cleansing me, and for forgiving me of all of my sins. Today is a new day, and I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer, we want to be a part of this journey with you. We want to help you. We want to disciple you. We want to teach you. We want to pray with you, and we want to walk with you. Maybe you were online and you did that. We want to be a part of this with you. Write us. Let us know. Say, hey, that was me, Pastor. That was me, and I want, I want you to pray with me. I want your help. I want, we want to be. We as a family, you know, we don't just call this Family Worship Center as a name. This is a family. The Bible says that we should, we, we assemble together, that he fitly joins us together. And if he's fitly joined you here, then we want to be a part of that journey with you. We want to help you. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. We got to sharpen each other. Amen. Well, this has been a phenomenal day in the house of the Lord. Did you guys get anything out of this today? Amen.